my name is Grace. I'm a really close friend of Scarlett's. Um, we're besties, I feel like. <laughs> we, sure. are, we are, we <laughs> are. Um, yeah, I've, it's, we have a really great friendship story, I feel like. Our opening to our friendship was amazing, and I, um, I'll lo- I'd love to get into that in like a future podcast, maybe. But <laughs> yeah, we love to talk about different social issues and problems of being 22, I guess, and 23. 22. But... If you can hear in the background, <laughs> oh yeah, it's um, two lovely puppies of great. Yes, please excuse my dogs. They like to play, and now they're looking at me all guilty because they're like, they know I'm doing a podcast. Thank you for having me today, Scarlett. Of course. I feel so honored to be on your oh, first podcast. Oh, I feel honored that you are my first guest. So in my cover picture, I know it was just me, but Grace was actually on my left side, but I cropped it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, we were, yeah, we were at the music festival. Yeah, that oh, was like one of my so favorite. Fun. Yeah. My hometown. Okeechobee. Okay, Check Okeechobee. it out. Yeah. Yes. See you next year. Okeechobee okay, Music Festival. Anyways, so today I invited Grace to talk about grades and everything I hate about school. I feel very strongly about this topic because I recently, before this semester start, I received a conditional offer. And they gave me this offer. I can go to the school if I get like a certain GPA, and that GPA is like 0.1 higher than my current GPA. It's like definitely achievable, but just that 0.1 gives me anxiety that I haven't had since I started college and decided not to go to grad school. I feel like that gap put me into my old anxiety again about grades that I'm not enough and there's a measure and I think that's crazy because in the number is only like 0.1 but it's powerful enough to put me back into that hustling state again yeah yeah absolutely and I feel like school has is just it like overtakes our our conscience it can be really dragging and draining to do it and oh my gosh like I thought I had senioritis as a high schooler (laughs) but um, at 22 um, being a super senior and going um, soon to graduate in December hopefully um, you know by taking an extra semester I am definitely feeling like the worst senioritis and it's just like so draining and I've actually heard that like it takes like, like five years to recover from the strain of school that makes sense um, yeah because we're always in like a perpetual state of like having to do assignments and I, I definitely noticed like a stark contrast um this summer um I had like a nine to five job and I literally didn't have to worry about anything after five and so like my day started at nine and I can work from nine to five and then I get home and like I don't have to think about work like I'm clocked in I don't answer any emails I don't text any like you know, I, I had a really positive, like non-toxic work environment, so it made it really, really easy to do these things. But I, I, I felt how <laughs> almost like awesome, like you know, real life can be, yeah. like outside of school. Um, and that's such an interesting perspective because we always hear adults say, you know, working adults say you're having your best time of your life now. When we are in college, we're like constantly doubting that. Mm-hmm. I, like I have so many doubts because like when I entered college and I just feel like. Like, I'm not really partying a lot. It wasn't, like, in the movies. And 
I start to have doubts if this is like the best years of my life, what my life is going to be. It's going to be more stressful after school, but like having that perspective of like you actually have a nine to five job during the summer, you actually feel your job is easier than school. That's crazy. Yeah, it's it because okay, people say that you know college is the best years of our life, and I think it's because we do have a lot of free time, quote unquote, air quotes, free time in college because you know you go to class for like an hour, maybe two hours, and then you know it's almost like you have a lot of free time during the week. But no one talks about like the perpetuation of like the homework assignments and the yes. upcoming tests and the upcoming essays and 12 page papers that are just in the back of your mind that you constantly have to think about mm-hmm. and um the the only way that you can really relieve yourself of that is to do your homework but still even if you are up to date on your homework you still won't be able to tackle those tests you yeah. know before the test day or the due date of the um uh the essay or it's it's like a worry that never goes away yeah and like speaking of homework i just feel like I don't know about you, but I don't learn by doing homework and assignment. I learn better like when we have like class discussion, like when my mind is actually engaged. But when I do homework, I feel like I'm just doing something that is required, like I have to do. So, first of all, I'm not motivated, and second of all, I don't think I gain any like insight from doing homework than just. A labor that someone else asked me to do. Yeah, absolutely. It's meant to like help expand your knowledge and to like really do that deep thinking. But you know, I I feel the same way. Whereas I love to engage in classroom discussions, and I think that's something that my professors they've like struggled with me a bit because it's like、mm-hmm. I talk so much in class, and I'm very、um, they love me in class. Like I'm great face to face, but it's like with homework assignments, I I turn them in late so often. I have. Thankfully, I've had really awesome professors, and they they always take my they usually always take my late work, and、um, and I think it is because I make up for what I lack in like due dates.、Mm-hmm. Um, I make up for in my classroom discussions and my classroom points, and、um, but but I think it's it's you know the different perspectives we have in class and like the different people in class that help me learn the most because I I find like the most value in listening to other people. People's like firsthand perspective and firsthand experiences than, you know, reading a textbook. And、yeah. which, granted, many of those do offer firsthand experiences and perspectives. But it, it is nice to like have your own opinion and your own perspective, and then hearing how another person's may differ. Because there's no I, right or wrong way. Yeah, I remember when we met. Me and Grace, we met in a psychology class. I had the impression that Grace is a perfect student. Like a really good student, cause like she's always like engaging with the material. Later, she told me she didn't do the reading, but like she sounded like she did the reading, cause she was like really engaged with like class and everything. And then later, we became friends, and she told me she doesn't really every assignment because of that. Her grades are not the best, and I was like, oh, I always thought you were a good student, and she's like, oh, I'm not. And that moment <laughs> makes me think, like, who gets to decide? Are we good students or not? Like, what is a good student, and who gets to decide? And 
for majority of our life, your grade measures how good a student you are. In my eyes, Grace is a really good student because like she she really like learns the material and she still remembers it and like recites to us. I've seen so many students have like perfect 4.0 GPA, but they don't really use whatever knowledge they learn in class to real life. Yeah. But like you do that perfectly. But uh, Scarlet, you don't think, I don't think it's perfect. <laughs> but you don't girl. think you're a good <laughs> <Stretch>. student. <laughs> but you don't think you're a good student just because your grades are not good, and grades are just a number. And grades are just but a we are st- yes. so controlled by that number. Well, a letter. Grades are oh. well, they're a number and a letter. GPA is a number. Yeah. When I was much. in Australia, so our high school, like when we do. When we're applying for university we don't actually apply for university so we have like a university entrance exam and you put in your options and if in that exam in that final exam if you get a certain grade you can get into your university and in china we have a similar thing called gokao like many of you may know it's a very competitive exam but it only happens once you know so when i was in high school in australia i just don't really care about my grades because they don't really matter like only the final grades matter and when i decided to drop from australian university and apply to american was like suddenly all my grades from middle school matters and i think that's just so stressful because like during your whole student life you can relax at any point it's not like oh my god i'm now preparing for university so i need to step up my game you know yeah. and it's like constantly because your grades is measured like your uh, ability as a student is measured by your four years in high school now like for us applying grad school is like your four years in college that means for four years like you don't have a point to rest to like lag off a little bit because yeah. the to be gpa is grade <laughs> point average yeah yeah grade point average grade point yes. average yeah, like point why average. do you do average i just don't understand can i have like a year off that's like i'm not studying hard that much yeah and i think that's why you know gap years are so important and they're so so common to get taking a gap year between like high school or college or you know sometimes people get into college and they they need a gap year like they they, they have their freshman year and then they're like Ooh, wait, wait let me go and explore you know and I'm kind of in that place right now where, you know, I'm graduating college soon, but I want to take, I want to eventually go to grad school, but I do at least want to take one gap year because it's been like, go, go, go my entire life. My mom says that, you know, once you stop going to school, you'll never go back, but I don't, I don't think that this Yeah. I don't know if I fully believe that because, you know, so many people take gap years and, you know, do fine, but Hey, I mean, I mean, she's lived longer than me, so she definitely has some experience in that, but I don't know. I think people who said, like, they don't want to go back, it's like they never wanted to do grad school in the first place. So if they're feeling like they've been forced to do it and they find something else better to do, that makes sense. Like, you don't want to go back, right? But I think because I took a gap year before college, I actually took two because the semester are different from Southern Hemisphere. So I took two gap years before I came here. People always say, oh, if you took a gap year, like you don't want to come back to school or like you don't know how to study. But I could truly feel like I was more ready coming back to school because I took that gap year. 
like if I keep going, like you said, like I was so burned out because of high school and I just like I couldn't do it. Yeah, you need like a recharge. Yeah. yeah. Like, you need to recharge. Yeah. And like, I study psychology. I actually feel like the gap year makes me understand like humanity more. So I have like a real like experience that I can reference to. But if I just go after high school, I just don't think like that's personally for me. I definitely agree with that because I feel like, you know, you take that year to like find yourself and to mature and really know your ways because you know if you think about it our entire life have spent has been spent in school and you know growing up and we've never really been able to kind of um you know take that break and just you know work and Mm -hmm. um you know but but yeah no I really want to like kind of transition back into um like when you just when you were talking about um Um, meeting in our psychology class and um how I how you thought I was a great student which no I actually I think I got (laughs) oh my god I think I got maybe a b maybe most likely a c in that class but you know I got I think I got a c in that class to be honest but um I felt the same way about Scarlett I thought Scarlett was an like an amazing student and everything's perfect and but there was like a big paper coming up and I remember asking her like oh have you done this paper? And she's like, no. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> Actually, I think the deadline had passed and I was like, awesome. Like, I'm glad we're in the same boat. And yeah. we started this whole conversation about how she had asked other people and they're in the same boat. They still have not turned in the assignment and yeah. power dynamics are crazy. And Scarlett, like you kind of educated me on a lot of, on how like professors or teachers and, um, and students, they have like this power dynamic that I had never even thought of before. I don't want to get too much into the theory because like it's very nerdy. So it's from Michel Foucault. Like I don't know if, if you know about Panopticon. Uh, it's basically like so the school structure is set out let's say like we use Canvas and you can't see if other people turn in their assignment yet. You only know like so it's like a one-way power structure like only your teacher knows about your grades and you don't know about other people's grades so you can't decide collectively you're not going to turn in assignment tomorrow that separate the power from like individual so the teacher is served as a guard and only the guard know what everyone's doing and you don't know like other people so you don't have that collective power yeah and you know growing up I always thought that like teachers always hid grades and covered grades so that like you know there was no bullying or you know kids making fun of other kids or um but that completely changed my perspective and you know that that's probably the reason why they don't show grades is because they don't want kids like knowing other kids grades for you know they don't want people to feel bad about their grade or anything but you know it, it's just something to think about like i wonder why mm-hmm. that is such a common thing and that also keep you on your feet because you all you always think other people are doing their best it's like you think i'm a good student i think you are a good student and add competitive pressure on you because you're like oh everyone knows what they're doing and i don't know it's like when you're in class and the teacher asks anyone has any question and no one raised their hand but like everyone has a question but they saw like no one raises their hand they think they are the only one who struggle with this yeah it's it's so interesting i mean school school is just so interesting because i mean just the structure of the classrooms like the way we set up classrooms and like the desk in a rows and um all facing the front um of the by the whiteboard and the teacher stands up front and has a podium or a desk at the front and they stand up and they talk and all the students are sitting down yeah um that 
you know, whole structure originated during the Industrial Revolution. Um, whenever uh, children, you know, they went to school and they learned about, um, they, they had to learn how to uh, sit for eight hours a day at a desk listening to a supervisor um and because that's what you know they would do in like textile factories and um you know children were also working in the factories at that point so it made sense to start them um in kindergarten doing that um and it's just it just kind of i don't know it kind of makes like school and educate the education structure seem a little more capitalistic yeah um you know in america and um i I feel like definitely we're getting more away from that traditional structure um i i haven't really um been in a classroom like that in a long time i guess i mean you know college classes honestly but we're Mm -hmm. usually paired up um but i remember my theater teacher she did have a unique um setup in her classroom it was super cool it was like we were facing one another like she had like rows of kids on one side and rows of kids on the other side and then this open space in the middle and it was supposed to mimic um a specific structure of theater Mm -hmm. and but we were facing each other it was so cool and you know she was up by the whiteboard but she was in the middle but she was kind of there was like this open space so you know when we would do monologues or um you know perform like little skits or whatever um you know we would have that open floor and like that would be our stage basically but it was nice to change it up and not be staring at a whiteboard with one person yeah. <laughs> you know just like droning on and it yeah. definitely made a, a lot less boring and and you have to ask for permission if you go to bathroom Ugh, like, i've never gone that's over that like that's like terrible yeah obedience training you know like it mm. makes you just mindless following instruction yeah it, it's so bad and i didn't realize you know because my whole life i've grown up like this like i've grown up with having to ask to go to the bathroom but you know going coming to college freshman year they're like the professor specifically says do not ask me to go to the bathroom just go like just go to the bathroom yeah. you don't have to ask me that's funny because we have like freshmen you know, <laughs> yeah. you know they're freshmen if like they ask for permission to go to bathroom yeah definitely you definitely can tell back to high school and back to middle school and it just seems kind of wrong and i i do remember you know being like a kindergartner and a first grader and i know i i, I did have accidents and it, it's partially because um i was one of those children that were scared of the toilets you know mm-hmm. and um at school and i would literally try to hold it until i got home but, you know, I think um, I wet my pants, like, twice. You know, yeah. once in kindergarten and then once in, like, first grade. But I was also scared of speaking up in front of all the students and saying, I have to go to the bathroom, teacher. Yeah. Can you please let me go to the bathroom? Is it okay? Um, it, it's, There's no dignity. It, it, yeah, it's like my whole, my all my business is out there. And I understand it, it is a safety, you know, concern um, for students. But, I mean, I've heard so many stories of, like, specifically, um, you know, people you know, that have uteruses and that are on their period, like, standing up or like raising their hands saying, can i please go to the bathroom and the teacher saying no you can't you just had break you can't go to the bathroom yeah. well break between classes is four minutes it's five minutes tops like you're like how do you expect me to like go into the bathroom and like change a tampon in yeah. five minutes like that i mean it, it's a process like but they'll just tell them no and i mean it's happened to me personally where i've been hey like can i please go to the bathroom and they're like you you just had a break like between classes when you were switching classes i'm like i i have to change i like i have I'm on my period. Can I please go to the bathroom? And I have to announce to the entire class that I'm on my period. And it's it's embarrassing. I mean, I, I was in like eighth grade when that happened. Mm-hmm. 
it's definitely interesting the way the education system is set up and this is just a the tip of the iceberg you yes. know this is literally yeah. just the structure the more you think of it like yeah. the worse it is yeah and i mean i know in florida like our curriculum is i think it's called common core i believe um but it's it's one set curriculum and every teacher is given it that they have to teach this way but they don't it's like boring you know mm-hmm. and it's up to the teacher to make it fun for the students uh, i have a friend who um, is an education major and she she had just graduated last may um, and she wants to actually become a principal because principals have the ability to you know make political change and have policies put in place um and she really wants to advocate for that but um she's an ele- she's an elementary school teacher right now um, and she loves it i don't know it, it, it's just interesting because i think back like when I was in school and every teacher taught differently. Yeah. But I can definitely see how teachers could be really boring <laughs> too. Yeah. Like some of them were boring and I'm like, oh, you're just literally reading from the script. You're not adding your own touch. But I think that's another thing that's tough about college because um, the class we had together is called psychology of relationship. Before that class, I have like perfect GPA. And after that class, like, I actually learned in that class to not associate my self-worth with my grades. So, yeah, so my professor helped me to, like, let go of my grades. But at the same time, like, she's a professor, you know, like, she has to grade you on, like, how you perform or it's not fair to other students. So I think there's, I just have, like, this dilemma that I took, like, many psychology classes and the uh, panoptagon theory I learned in my critical theory class and the classes I took like the professors actually help you to kind of fight against this kind of norm but actually I feel like the school uh, the college structure it's still in the GPA system so mm-hmm. very much I so, yeah. yeah I do think I became a better person like for my three years here in college but my grade that doesn't show that because mm-hmm. we're measuring different things. Like they're measuring how obedient I am, but my professor helped me become a better person by not following those instructions. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, at our college, if you get below a 1.7 GPA, then you get kicked out. You know, there's no, like, I think you do get a semester of redemption, but if it drops below 1.7, you get kicked out. Um, and I think it is important to have standards. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like how, you know, the concept of, like, everybody gets a trophy isn't necessarily the best idea. You need to definitely have incentives for people to do the best, you know, and be their best. Because, you know, regardless, your best is always good enough. And that's something that we read in our psychic relationships yeah. classes in the Four Agreements. I highly recommend you to check it out. It's an amazing book. It's really short. I actually got it on Audible. And I, I have an audiobook of it, but not sponsored. Yeah, not sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say audible. Yeah, like you know. should say. Maybe they will sponsor yeah. us one day. One of the four agreements is um, your best is always good enough. So if you're always trying your best, you know it's your best and you won't have regrets that your best is not good enough because it's your best. Other people may have, they may not feel like you're doing your best, but that's because typically they set unrealistic standards for you. Standards that you didn't necessarily know that they needed, like like standard, they just set standards for your behavior or for um, you and that's you not living up to their expectations and you don't have to live up to somebody else's expectations you should live up to your own expectations you know and you should establish those 
Um, but it's definitely important to um, have goals and to um, have direction and to have an incentive to continue to drive. And so I do understand the 1.7 GPA below you get yeah. kicked out idea. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't think that, you know, we need to be out here having like 4.5 GPAs, yeah. you know, just to try to get into like a giant school because, you know, big schools like the Ivy League schools are yeah. like the on-brand version. And, um, you know, another school, I guess, would be that's like lesser known or less talked about um, is quote unquote the off-brand version. Mm-hmm. And but that's that's literally I feel like just marketing. That but that's like the myth that. of meritocracy. I don't know if you know that book. I think oh, it's no, called the no, myth of me. meritocracy. So this book talks about how like so meritocracy is like an American thing that they sell you this myth that you work harder and you can get what you want. Mm. But let's say those <laughs> Ivy League schools are like a myth of uh, meritocracy because the Ivy League school, they if your parents are alumni, you have a larger chance of getting in, mm-hmm. a much much larger chance. Or so let's say standard tests like SAT, you like those tests are highly predictable like the more like tutoring and resources you have usually financially the higher score they predict when we say like everyone is like started from the same line and you can just work your way up and that's just a lie it's like selling a myth to people and spend their life like chasing for it but mm-hmm. it's like a trap i think the book is either called the trap of meritocracy or the myth of meritocracy i'm not sure but i will put it in the show note yeah that's that's so cool i have no yeah i've never heard of that but that makes um that makes so much sense yeah i think we definitely try to like we are conditioned to associate our personal like self-worth with our gpa so commonly but i just think that like in my life like that's been um you know broken so many times and like i i i'm very fortunate to disassociate my self-worth from my gpa and like i don't closely associate that but it's because you know i um i have um a younger brother who um has struggled with dyslexia his whole life and um to like he he was actually I mean he was in elementary school and he's like six years old and you know trying to learn words and um he actually he had epilepsy and so he would have like oh my gosh like a hundred seizures tiny Mm. seizures a day we would call them like tremors and earthquakes like the earthquakes were the big major ones we would go to the hospital for and like the tremors were like the three second ones that occurred um they're also called absence seizures but um so then he, you know, he kind of missed out on a lot in school because he was having absence seizures for a really long time. And um, this was before we caught it. Um, and um, teachers and um, aides would actually, they, they called my brother stupid because he wouldn't look at, oh like, and he's God. six. It's like he's six or seven years old, calling like a six or seven year old, year old stupid or um, just making, making it obvious that he's, like, not excelling. But when I tell you that this kid has literally been driving vehicles since he was three years old, like we have, I grew up in a family that has like golf carts and like ATVs and four wheelers and we have lots of cars and whatever. So he's literally been driving like golf carts since he was like three, obviously with parent supervision, like we were with him when he was doing it. But, um, I mean, he started welding when he was seven. Um, and he, 
has a certificate and he, he's 15 now but um him and my dad they build trucks like actual big real trucks my dad my brother you know he just turned 15 last march and he has his learner's permit but he built his own truck like he has a vehicle and it's it's really nice it's really beautiful um and him and my dad built that and i don't know if you guys know what buggies are like hunting buggies but they're these yeah. massive there's these massive funny looking things just google hunting buggy and mm-hmm. you'll see but by but my dad and my brother um together they built these things from the ground up um and this was from the time that my brother was like 10 to 15 but he he has so many so so many um talents that cannot be measured mm-hmm. by an sat you know it can't it cannot be measured by a gpa and this is stuff that you know people who get 1600s on their sats or 4.5 gpas probably couldn't do yeah and that's okay because they excel at um you know book work or they excel at reading or essays or you know math and Whereas, like, my, my brother absolutely... Like, my brother, not to say he doesn't excel at those. He's, he's awesome. He does amazing at, like, reading and math. and um, But he has had his struggles, you know, with having dyslexia. But he he literally builds cars, like, he, like yeah. by himself. Like, it's just... I'm like I, like, I don't know anyone who can do that besides him. And I've never known that. Like, no, that's... I mean, that's just one piece of information and that's why I don't necessarily associate my self-worth with my grades and my grades are like they they haven't been good but thankfully you know I'm able to stay in school and stuff but it's not like I am the top of the class I've never been the top of the class and but I'm okay with that you know Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm happy as long as I am learning the information and I engage in class and I um I genuinely learn the information like I I'm happy it's something my mother agrees on too, especially with having the experience with my brother. I was a first child and my brother and I are seven years apart. So she was really wanting a perfect child like with me, but then, you know, life throws you curveballs, and mm-hmm. you get a child that has epilepsy, has dyslexia, and you can't, you're able to find the good and in those situations and change your initial mindset. So, so thankfully my mom is also very like forgiving, uh, an understanding of you know my gpa like your gpa does not define you i heard in this ted talk that some disabilities are disabled by our society let's say uh dyslexia dyslexia? yes yeah dyslexia. like dyslexia and many people on the spectrum they don't have disability their brain works differently they don't fit into like how our society's expectation and how our society and structure is set up for people to function. Let's say people who are on the autism spectrum and they can't handle shopping malls. So they're disabled by our setting have big shopping malls. So because if our shopping malls are like autism friendly, they mm-hmm. that wouldn't consider as a, like a disability. So it's not they are disabled, like they're disabled by our structure and society. Oh yeah, yeah, it's like the they're not disabled the 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 society and the structure disabled and the environment is disabling yeah that's so interesting that's such a that makes so much sense i definitely agree with that i was in a science class in middle school it was in eighth grade and um there was a kid who um was um very much he was on the spectrum he was in our class and he um and and most people you know knew he was on the spectrum and 
you know, he was made fun of by so many people, and that's, that's, it was terrible, honestly, but I, I remember, um, he sat, like, in the front of the class, and I sat in the back of the class, and, um, he had this really, really thick book, and it was, like, it had to be, like, 500 pages thick, it was super thick, like, think of, like, a Twilight book, <laughs> like, it was really thick, I don't know how long those are, but, um, I never read Twilight, whoop, <laughs> um, me neither, <laughs> Um, but watching, I, I like would look at him and he would read in his free time and I would watch him and he, it was like, he would just scan over one page and scan over the other page in like less than a minute and then flip the page. And he, like, he got through those books so, so quickly. Like his mind was just, it was like, he was, it was going so fast and it was, it was taking in so much information at a rate that like the, the quote unquote, um, neurotypical people in the class, um, we're not able to do mm-hmm. it, it was like even the teacher couldn't do it it was just absolutely amazing to see that and th- nobody ever I guess um nobody ever mentioned that it was just an observation I made personally and it was it was just so so interesting and so cool to see that but if like school allows your brother to build cars in school like he would be a great student you know but we we don't measure that and very unfortunately like he the teacher like called your brother stupid because he doesn't fit into their measures you know mm-hmm. and that's like so traumatizing i, I yeah. like i never talked to him obviously but and like, from then on imagine, he was homeschooled we didn't yeah, we, didn't, yeah, yeah. we like did not so imagine like, how after that, that no. would be like when you were six yeah and that's he was really like young yeah and you're like a vulnerable child and adult tell you you're stupid and that can like change your belief about yourself mm-hmm. yeah and it, it can definitely alter like the rest of your life you know and like your perception and i'm really gr- glad like it has not altered his um that i know of um he's like we get along so well and um i always thought it was the age difference i mean we're seven years apart um but i love him so much and um because he's homeschooled he's not like quote unquote like most 15 year olds that are like mm-hmm you know, obsessed with TikTok and, like, being right or whatever, but he's just, he is, like, one of, he's, like, the smartest person I know, I think. He's, he's just so, so incredible, and he has, like, been able to tackle, um, all of the challenges that have been thrown at him, and it's just awesome. And, like, when you were saying, like, building cars, I was thinking about only school has, like, a number that represents, like, your years of efforts. Now I'm applying to grad school and they gave me this one number, like three point something for me to achieve. I think how is that number showcase my four years of effort and like how does it paint a picture of like who I am as a person? Mm -hmm. And we don't do that in work. We don't do that in relationship. We don't say, oh, how was your five year relationship with your ex? And you're like, oh, it's at 3.2. Like, we don't do that. There's no test. Because it's dehumanizing to, like, use number to, like, measure people. We only do that with school structure. Like, we only do that in school. Yeah, there is a number definitely that we associate with school. And it's, like, it's it's not common. But I I think, I I don't know, at least in American society, like, we, it, it, the top earner, you know, at a business, the top like for instance let's say car salesman at a business they're going to get the higher bonus you know Mm -hmm. so so i guess it be uh, you know our society being as like capitalistic as it is and having this for this this type of structure it it does in a way relate but it depends on what your 
going into. And I mean, I guess you could even argue that that's what Yelp reviews are like. They're almost mm. grading your business, <gasps> you know, yeah. on a scale of one to five stars. Like it's 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 almost like there's an episode of Black Mirror and I think it's the first episode of the second season and it's called Nose Dive and it's it's so interesting and it's where everybody has like it looks like an iPhone but you rate people and you rate every interaction you have with somebody like whether it be in, in an elevator or have you watched Black Mirror? I watched like one or two episodes it's too like it's a lot meta, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot for yeah. sure but no we can we definitely need to watch Nose Dive okay. we love that one but it's um it's it's everyone gets rated and your rating um bases your like wealth the neighborhoods you can it, it kind of correlate corresponds to wealth in this in this society on wow. no, the nosedive but it kind of does in our society i mean if a business has five stars and a 5.0 yeah. rating it's probably a more profitable business yeah um, they're probably making more money the owners of that business probably live in a better house than mm-hmm. like something of a a similar business that has a three-star rating or a two-star rating so to an extent nosedive the episode of black mirror is it's not real but it it kind of is incorporated into our current society and we also also judge people based on their net worth and like Mm -hmm. how much salary they earn and what kind of car what kind of house they live in yep i noticed this about google it's like every time i enter a celebrity's name and the most searched question like right after it is like blah blah blah's net worth like we're wow. yeah That's like so yeah it's always like shows up like after like yeah that, uh, yeah name. I guess that makes yeah. sense yeah yeah so like we want to have a number we want to know like where this person's social ranking is yeah yeah because we do associate net worth yeah. with success I guess and yeah Status. which yeah it can be success but success doesn't equal a good person and mm-hmm. I think that um, we've commonly seen that with like the harvey weinstein and the jeffrey epstein and the and or Ep- harvey weinstein i don't even know whatever that guy it doesn't matter <laughs> that, yeah. du- that dude oh man and similar as gpa like a lot of people we know who have like perfect gpa like they don't sleep they don't eat mm-hmm. they sacrifice their mental health mm-hmm. and sleep to get 0.1 higher gpa and i was one of those people before so yeah. to a point i was like what is the point of doing this if like other part of my life is literally crushing just to get that number up a little bit yeah i think that you know our society is so so focused on iq Mm -hmm. we don't really focus on emotional intelligence as much and i think emotional intelligence is something that should be more focused on and i think if we had a little bit more of a focus on emotional intelligence than um you know our maybe our um, school structures and our education systems would be able to change and um, be a little bit more of an empathetic place mm-hmm. um, and an understanding place. And I think that Montessori schools kind of do that. What um, is Montessori? Mm, I don't really know the exact definition. Um, let me actually Google it. Okay, so according to a quick Google search, um, a Montessori method of education that is based on self-directed activity, hands-on learning, and collaborative play. In Montessori classrooms, children make creative choices in their learning, while the classroom and the highly trained teacher offer age-appropriate activities to guide the process. Children in the classroom or students in the classroom are able to kind of learn in the way that suits them best 
and not in this industrial revolutionary like Mm -hmm. old ass like structure of um, classroom and education and it allows for students to kind of hone in on their unique skill sets because there's some people that are gifted in music and Mm. gifted in art and gifted in welding you know and granted these are private schools i think commonly and um the montessori method um i think has had like a turbulent history um i know somebody whose brother actually went to a montessori school and it basically seemed like he wasn't learning anything like at least to his parents i don't know what his personal experience at a montessori i haven't Mm -hmm. asked him about his montessori school experience you know i think that this was also in oh my god like the 90s the method has definitely evolved since then. If schools just allowed us to hone in on, on our each individual unique skill sets, then I think the world would be a better place and we'd have a lot more creativity. And- How's your college experience? Do you think in some classes like you experience that a little bit, like being respected as individuals? Because we go to a liberal arts school, so compared to like big university, it's more like small classes and discussion based but some classes are still like very lectury i think it really depends on the professor yeah yeah no it's absolutely amazing i i i've loved my time at our college and the teachers there are just so they just pose awesome questions and um they make us really think in ways that i don't think i would be getting professors would do at a large university Mm -hmm. um or like a state school i love the setup of our classes i will say i noticed a difference in like my psychology classes and my social entrepreneurship classes so social entrepreneurship is um you know has three pillars planet people and profit and so it's kind of like ethical business so traditionally Mm -hmm. business has been a one single bottom line which is profit but social entrepreneurship incorporates a triple bottom line which is doing good for the planet doing good for um people or social justice and um doing good for your you know pockets you do you know mm-hmm. like making a profit but a social enterprise could also be a non-profit organization a common example would be like four ocean you know like the the bracelet i love those classes and it, it's very very much like discussion-based classes i see a lot less lecturing at our college i but I have noticed that sometimes the traditional business classes mm-hmm. are a lot of lecturing. It's like those are the classes I don't have to try as hard in because yeah. it's I'm just listening to the teacher like drone yeah. on and on. Whereas like my core competency classes, like we have a, we have a class in like humanities and in culture and science, mm-hmm. and but they're always so interesting. Like I had a, those are the classes I took yeah. for my major and stuff. They're yeah. s- they're just so cool. Like that I had a class called Dog is Love, and no. the the science it's like about the science of human animal interaction it was just so cool and that was very much classroom discussion based i'm currently in racial fictions which is an awesome class as well do you think it's possible to implement how we are learning in college effectively in high school or middle school or grade school that's a that's challenging to answer because yes it's possible but you have to want to recreate the entire common core script you know Mm -hmm. like you have that which is a lot of work you know it's a lot of work and people don't want to change it and it's a lot of change and people are scared of change but i think that common core is outdated i think that it's it's not um it's it shouldn't be the standard anymore like we as a society have evolved so much so much i think that our education and like our baseline school structure should you know like our public school structure should coincide with that because you know you you do get a different education um, going to a private school or a public school mm. and it's it's just kind of 
I feel like that's a big inequality, too. Yeah. And that just kind of perpetuates the idea that, like, the rich get richer and the poor stay poor. Because Mm -hmm. people going to public schools, you know, they can't necessarily afford going to a private school where Mm -hmm. they may have an education that's similar to our college, where they have, like, really... Um, they have like a different structure and they don't follow the common core but public school like the common core is like what is that's what's given to you yeah and you know some teachers do the bare minimum because teachers are also paid like shit they get paid they do not get paid enough for what they do they are literally molding the minds of our future and it it can be challenging in a room full of 15 year olds Mm -hmm. and having to control that class because you know they're still growing and you know they're everyone's struggling with um different things at home and um that can come out in class in different ways and you know kid kids can be mean It, it definitely has the potential to be changed and it definitely you know like we definitely have the potential to have that in our um education system Mm -hmm. but um it's it would require a lot of work it would require a lot of activism you know that's why i'm so ecstatic that my friend is you know she's an elementary school teacher right now Mm -hmm. but she wants to eventually work her way up to um a principal because that's where there could be actual change and or work up into you know being on the school board and and in that form of the school system because that's where she can advocate for um real change and the common core and like the the way we do school so i think we're like in a transitioning time which can i have friends their parents worked really hard in their they kind of blame on my friends they're like why can't you just like do the same but i think our generation like gen z has our problem to face and our challenge is different than our parents' generation. It's easier for them to like follow the rule because that was the norm. But now like our society changed so much and you don't really have to go to college. Like for their generation, they don't have to go to college either. But if you go to college, it's like guaranteed you would have a decent paid job. Um, but for our generation, there's so many opportunities without a college degree and there's because we have internet now and there's so many things online that you can learn and you don't have to gain knowledge or become skilled by having a college degree so people who are in college are actually people i think that love learning and not because like we have to be here Mm -hmm. and that choice actually make it harder because when you don't have a choice you have to just like put your head down and like go through it but because we have a choice and it just makes it more suffering for us to go through this process because we are constantly reminded we don't have to do this thing and we are uh, still like measured by a system that we are not like a hundred percent approved of yeah absolutely like college isn't so it's also consciously necessary, you know. Mm. I I feel personally that college is one of the best things that happened to me. I I love college and I have been able to grow on my own as a person and in my studies and my perspective has been challenged many times and I can say that I am open to so many different viewpoints now and that I will never shut down somebody's like idea or perspective. Mm-hmm. I, I'm finally able to like put my ego aside for the for the opportunity to learn. Every perspective 
is a learning lesson for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those that are the things we actually love about college. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think that's why, like, I want to talk about grades and other stuff I don't like about college because I did choose to be here. Like, we all don't have to be here. You know, research shows that like many college graduates have jobs that don't require a college degree. I don't think like our generation have to go to college to learn. There are many like、uh, great online resources to learn, but I like you can discuss and debate with your classmate about like certain topics. But I just think there are like grades and other structures in college makes my love for college. Little bit hard, so I have this. Yeah, it's 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 a challenge. You know, there's pros and cons,、mm-hmm. right? And you know, big cons: tuition. Oh my god, measurement of GPA, grades. You know, power dynamics. Pros are, you know, you get to be in a learning environment, and your perspective go- does get to be challenged. And you know, just being in a group setting and learning from your peers and having like open discussions in classes is, is so so important for the learning process. So, because our podcast name is Rehab, I do want to. It's not a stretch, I promise. I want to go back to talk about how grades and school structure can be addicting. I was in a very academically competitive school my whole life until I came to college. So, I pretty much like linked to my self worth to numbers. And numbers can be so addicting. I remember someone said, if you put a number next to someone's name, they will think of any way to put that number up. And I remember, like when you were talking about your brother, your classmate who has perfect SAT and stuff, but doesn't know anything. And I was just thinking, that was me. <laughs> that was me years ago. Like I didn't have any leisure time my childhood. I was trained to think of myself as a soldier, basically, and that is my only target. That is my only goal, like to study, to get good grades. And in college, I experience identity crisis just because I have to see myself other than a student, and I have to value other things and actually like pick up sport and music that I like. And to have like a leisure time and to have friends and to have like community, I have actually have to like learn it from the start. So I definitely think that. Grades can be numbing and addicting, and like you're basically addicted to the school structure. Before I decide to apply to this grad school, I actually like apply to a, f- a few PhD programs. Not because I want to become PhD, I just feel like I need to stay in the school structure. As long as possible, and the PhD program is five years. It's the longest I can find, because I was so familiar with this structure. I don't know if you watched Shawshank Redemption. So those prisoners, like they stayed in prison for fifty years, thirty years, fifty years, and when they were released to the real world, they commit suicide. Because they've been like institutionalized by prison, their identities are built in prison.、Oh, so when、wow. they enter in real life, they actually like don't know who they are because they've been institutionalized.、Like、I remember there was a quote. It's like you you get used to the wall, and that's like when you get institutionalized because you basically fell in love with a structure that you can't imagine yourself like living it anymore. I definitely feel like at some point in my life because. 
my whole life on my word this based on my grades and comes from school i have to be in school to feel like i'm a worthy and valuable person i'm so afraid of leaving school and like we are senior now i start applying for grad school at sophomore year like that's how much i didn't want to leave the school structure that's such a common thing in our society is that like students who are so so academically gifted and so gifted in school and they they go to school and they do rigorous work and then then they go into college and they they're they're so rigorous and they're working college and then they get out and they're like i don't know what to do or they go in down a path and they you know, they have, they go to school and, you know, they, or they get a master's and then they get a PhD and then they become a doctor or lawyer or whatever. And then they have a midlife crisis Mm -hmm. at 45 and they're like, I don't want to do this anymore. I, I wanted to be an architect. I should have explored this more, that more. College is far more about GPA and grades. It's about quite literally finding yourself. Mm -hmm. And if I had any advice to give, you know, incoming freshmen in college, um, it would be to take studies seriously, you know, maintain scholarships, that's important, but understand that this is a transformative time in your life, and, you know, who you are freshman year is going to be leaps and bounds different than who you are your senior year, or at least should be. (laughs) And there are so many career paths and possibilities outside of school if you're a good student like don't worry you can do things outside of school don't just stay in school because you know you're good at school like try things while you're young otherwise you have like a mid-life crisis like we said yeah and just always remember that whatever the path you choose in college is it it's it will never be the wrong path Mm -hmm. you know as as long as you don't kill anybody, don't kill anybody. <laughs> don't harm yourself or others. And yeah, whatever career path you choose will always be the right one for you. So as long as you follow your heart and... Oh, that sounds so cliche. I just cringed like seeing that. But, <laughs> but no, I definitely like I'm, I'm serious. It's 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 important to follow your heart. Really question like, what do I want? And, you know, try out different classes that you never thought you would take in college. And, um, you know, explore your options out, you know. You never know what you may find. <laughs> so in this last section of this podcast, I want to ask Grace, could you share with us one thing you want to be free of and one thing you want to have more in your life? Yeah, something I want to be free of for sure is um, the strain of school, <laughs> to be honest, and just the control that, um, you know, GPAs and grades and... Um, the education system has i guess on our life and you know maybe let go of some um you know lasting effects especially since this is my last semester in college and um yeah just let letting go of that um you know perpetual state of like panic of assignments and yeah um and something that i want more of in my life is encouragement of different types of learning and different learning topics like there's more than just math English and science and you know language out there there's there's so many different realms of learning and you know I think it's it's so so important that we explore um the many dimensions of learning because there's so many different dimensions of it and um you know it it definitely expands beyond just the what's taught to us in elementary middle and high school so yeah that's I think that's 
It's something that I really want for, especially for my children mm-hmm. in the future. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't have kids right now, but um, if I do decide to have children, I want them to grow up in a world that, um, you know, can honor their individual gifts. Great. Thank you for coming to rehab, uh, for being my first guest. <laughs> I love you, as always. Oh, I love you so much. Thank you so much for having me on rehab. Um, now we have some homework to do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, yeah, now I have some homework to do. Oh.